Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As water disappears from the sea, as a river becomes, and a river becomes parched and dries up, so man lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more. They will not awake, nor be roused from their sleep. Oh, that I that you would hide me in the grave, that you would conceal me until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time, and remember me. If if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my ser- my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. Job knew that one day he would rise. His life was a vapor. It was just a flower that's going to fade. Today on Truth in Christ, all flesh is as grass, and all glory of man as the flower of the grass. Welcome to our Bible study. Today, Pastor Rob finishes chapter 1 of Peter's first epistle. Peter reminds us all in this portion of his letter that we are all just vapor, and even though our flesh will die, we who are believers in Jesus Christ and born from above will enjoy everlasting life with him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and follow along with Pastor Rob. The blood of Christ, the only thing that we have to do with. You know, if we stand before God in our own works, God will say, I never knew you. But if he looks upon you and he sees the blood of his son upon you, there is nothing that he is going to do but smile and love you and say, enter the kingdom prepared for you. Right? In verse 20 it says, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And there's a couple of scriptures we're going to take a quick look at. You know this one very well. In the very first chapter of John's Gospel, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the Word, Logos. And the Logos, the Word, was with God. And the Word was God. Whoever this Logos is, this, whoever this word is, is equal to God. He is God. And he was in the beginning with God. So whenever the beginning of the creation of the earth and everything that we see in it, he was already there. He was already present when it was created. Because it says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, that is, through him, by him and for him, were they created. The heavens and the earth, all that we see, were created by him. And he was there when it was all made when it was all created from the very beginning. Does that just set a lightning bolt in you? I don't know about you, but I get excited about that because the same one who spoke it all into existence one day is going to call you up to meet him in the air. 
soon, I hope, preferably today, in the next second, would be good. Hmm. Also in Revelation chapter 13, I love what it says here. Even though the context of this chapter in Revelation is really speaking of the Antichrist during the tribulation period, it says in verse 8, And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, meaning worship the Antichrist, whose names have not been written in the book of of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Long before the world was even created, God the Father said, I have a plan. Because I know that when I create man, I have to give him free choice. He has to have a choice to love or to deny me. And when he does fail, I'm going to have something in in place to save him, to redeem him from his error. Is there any God like that in the universe? All the gods that people worship apart from Christ that are really no gods, they're demonic entities with names attached to them, all of them, are not like that. Have you noticed they all want to destroy you ultimately? They want to get you to think that it's all about you. It's all about you. You have to do this in order to be right with God. And let me tell you, when you look, the more you look at yourself, the more decrepit, the more frustrated, the more pills you take (laughs) to get you to escape from who you really are. And only in Christ can you say, you know what? I know who I am in Christ. I don't need to take pills to make me realize who I am. I mean, you may need to take pills for your high blood pressure and your cholesterol, but you don't have to take pills to, to, to snap you out of your reality because you know who you are. Verse 21, Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Jesus is in the heavens right now. There's a man in heaven with wounds in his hands, in his side, probably even crown, the crown of thorns where it was platted down on his head the scars from the crown of thorns, the whippings, the beatings, the scars are still there. He is in glory. And he says, verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. There's a good word for you. Underline it. It only occurs three times in the Bible. This is one of them. Underline it. Because there's people who are saying, who is this? What's this born-again business? Most people don't even know that the term exists in the Bible. Born-again. You can look at it in the King James, too. It's there, too. Or the New King James. It happens here in this verse, and it happens in John chapter 3, or John chapter 3, verse 15, or verse 5, and then again, I'm sorry, in John chapter 3, verse 3, and then again in verse 7, I believe it is. It happens three times in the Bible, this idea of being born again. It's not just some kind of weird cult. You are not part of a cult. A cult is following someone who is a man who has ideologies and things that he thinks. Who cares? (laughs) But we follow the living Christ, almighty God in human flesh, the Logos, the word of God become flesh and dwelt among us, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 14. That's who we serve. So we don't serve a man. We don't serve We are not part of a cult. We are part of his kingdom because he's almighty God. No one like him. Amen? Put a big smile on your face. Everybody just, big smile. Love it. Having been born again, notice, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Jesus lives. The word of God is Jesus. He is Jesus. 
Remember, that's what John tells us. The Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is that? The virgin birth. Jesus Christ came. He is the Word of God. And guess what? This is His Word as well. We need to know this and then let the Word of God dwell richly in our heart and bring this to mind and to live by what he has shown us in here. He puts his word above all his name, it says in the Psalms. His word will abide forever. Everything else is going to burn. Can I say that? Louder, but I won't, because I don't want to hurt your ears. It's all going to burn. The word of God abides and endures forever. Everything else is going to pass away, because all flesh, verse 24, is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and it flowers, it falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. I love that. I love that. Going back to verse 22 there, being born again. Notice the evidences of being born again. What are some of those evidences? Well, if you desire to know the truth and to obey the truth, chances are you're born again. If you've asked Christ into your heart, you'll know it because you'll have this desire to know and obey the truth. You'll also love the brethren. You will love other Christians. You may not get along with them. You may not even like some of them, but you're going to love them, love them in Christ, and you're going to have boldness. You're going to have peace. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I don't have to worry about my future. My future is already, it's already in the book. If you're one of those people who is always concerned about current events and getting really uptight and getting really nervous and giving yourself ulcers, guess what? Give yourself a break today and read the end of the book. And guess what? When it really gets bad, you're not going to be there. (laughs) You're going to be raised up to meet the Lord in the air before all hell breaks loose. That's what the Bible says. You will be raised in the twinkling of an eye, your body will be raised, and this incorruption or this corruption will be raised, and our body will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We will be lifted together. We will meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds, forever we will be with him. And then comes the great tribulation period, which you will never see. Now, if I was looking at this and I didn't know the Lord, and I was reading the end of the book, I'd read through Revelation chapter 16 through 19, verse 10, and I read that, I'd be very scared. I would have every reason to take pills. Every reason to find the strongest drink possible with a little worm at the bottom. I would have every reason, if I didn't know the Lord, to be afraid of what's coming. But you don't have to be afraid. As a Christian, you know where your residence really lies. The promise is there. He's given us the earnest of his salvation, the very down payment of his Holy Spirit in us. And he's going to come and he's going to redeem what he has put the down payment on and he is going to bring us to him. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What a great, great thing. Peter says, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. There's there's our word, uh, born again. That's just another way of saying it. It's... A Greek word, anagoneo, which means just begotten us again. And then in John, we already looked at that. You know, Jesus in John's gospel said uh, in verse 3 of chapter 3, he said, Jesus answered Nicodemus, and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be born from above, Nicodemus. Being religious is not good enough. Being good enough is not good enough. 
The standard is very high, and it's only through the, you can only attain that through Jesus Christ by believing in his shed blood for you. That's the only way. There's no other way. You must be born again. And he said in verse 5, Jesus answered, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, speaking to Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And here it is. If you wonder what this being born of the water and being born of the Spirit, what does he mean? He says it in verse 6. That which is born of the flesh or of water is of flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It's very simple. We were all born in water. Emily right now is experiencing that. Her water broke. That little child is floating around in the amniotic sac all nice and warm, and all of a sudden reality hits. i got to get out of here. <laughs> Everyone is born of water, but you also need to be born of the Spirit. Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He went on and says, Do not marvel that I said unto you, You must be born again. Because the wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes and where it goes. So everyone, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. I love that. What a mystery. What a great, awesome thing. I am so blessed. Are you blessed to be a Christian? I am so stoked to think that I don't have to, I don't have to stress and I don't have to fret and worry about all the stuff that's going on. Let that lift your heart. Let it lift your heart. Because let me tell you, there's so much going on in the world today. Don't let it get you down. Forget the news. Have a shutdown on your news sources. If God wants you to know about it and pray about it, he can tell you. But you read that stuff long enough, and what does it do? It jades your heart. Your heart becomes cold and calloused, and all it does is stir up anger and ire. The next thing you know, you're watching more of that stuff and getting angry than just spending time in the peace of Christ. And boy, I tell you, people need to see that nowadays because when they see us sitting there, they either think we're insane or we've got a great relationship with the Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're sitting there and everyone's stressed out and they're looking at their phone, I can't believe what happened, you know, and you know, somebody tweeted this and somebody tweeted that and it's on Facebook and now Fox and CNN are fighting. and you can, you know, Who cares? Let them stress about it. Encourage them to unstress. Say, get, know Jesus. He's the one you need to worry about. All this other stuff is temporary. It's all going to pass. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. You know, I just think of this older man who just passed away. You know, the long life that he had, and it passes away. It just goes away. That's each one of us. Unless the Lord returns for us, that's going to be our life too. We're going to grow old. And see, as a Christian, we can grow old graciously or gracefully. We can grow old and love the season of every, of every season of life, no matter what season of life you're in. Enjoy the season of youth. Enjoy the season of being a teenager. Fully embrace it. Enjoy the season of being 20-something. When you feel like you got the world by the tail. Enjoy the season when you're in your 30s and you're getting your career going if that's your lot in life, and you get married, you have kids, enjoy the season of being in your 40s when things start to ache when you wake up. Enjoy the season when you're 50, when you got grandkids coming over. Enjoy the season when you're 60 and you get your AARP card. <laughs> enjoy the season when you're in your 70s and you're hurting 
and your AARP card expires. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Enjoy the seasons. Enjoy the seasons. They're there. They're a gift from God. I love what it says. And, you know, just the futility of life uh, uh, apart from Christ. But even in Christ, we, we have this short time. Short time. I love what it says in Job. And let me just read this to you. It's, it's about 14 verses, and then we're going to end. Job 14, beginning in verse 1. Notice what it says. Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me to judgment with yourself? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Verse 6, look away from him that he may rest till like a hired man he finishes his day. For there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its root may be old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. But man dies and is laid away. Indeed, he breathes his last. And where is he? As water disappears from the sea, as a river becomes, and a river becomes parched and dries up, so man lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more. They will not awake, nor be roused from their sleep. Oh, that, I, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would conceal me until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time, and remember me. If, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my, ser- my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. Job knew that one day he would rise. His life was a vapor. It was just a flower that's going to fade. It's good to be reminded of that. It's, so, it's sobriety. I'm not going to live forever on this earth, and this body. I'm going to live forever, but thank God I'm getting an upgrade. <laughs> so are you. It's going to be beautiful. For those of you who have no hair, you're going to have long golden locks like... Uh, For those of you who have been picking on everybody else with bald hair, you'll be bald. I'm just kidding. You have a new body that can withstand eternity in the presence of perfection. We'll need a body. We'll vanish in his sight if it weren't for the new body because of his glory. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will by no means pass away. I'd like to read to you one final thing and then we're done. It's actually an excerpt from William MacDonald's One Day at a Time. And it just speaks of the futility of those who claim to, who try to disprove the word of God and who think that the word of God is just here and gone tomorrow. Well, this is what I want to read to you. It's a little bit lengthy, but I think you'll appreciate it, and then we'll pray and leave. It says, the word of, and this is December 19th from William MacDonald's One Day at a Time. And I love this. I have to read it to you. I'm compelled. <laughs> Ow, my arm is twisted. The word of God is not only eternal, it's absolutely sure of fulfillment. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, Jesus said that not one jot or tittle will pass from the law until all be fulfilled. A jot is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet that resembles a comma or an apostrophe. And a tittle is a stroke of a Hebrew letter. We might compare it to the bottom stroke of a capital E that distinguishes distinguishes the E from the F. In other words, Jesus was saying that God's word will be fulfilled down to the minutest detail. Julian the Apostate, who was a Roman emperor who lived in uh, 331 uh, AD, he decided that he would disprove the Bible and discredit Christianity. 
And the particular passage he chose to disprove was Luke chapter 21, verse 24, which reads, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be laid away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So he began by encouraging the Jews to rebuild the temple. And according to Gibbon, in the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, they went to work eagerly, using even silver shovels in their extravagance and carrying the dirt in purple veils. But while they were working, they were interrupted by an earthquake and by balls of fire coming from the ground, and they had to abandon the project. Almost 600 years later, Ezekiel predicted that the eastern gate of Jerusalem would be shut and that it would remain shut until the prince would come in Ezekiel chapter 44, speaking of the millennial reign of Christ. And many Bible students understand the prince to be the Messiah. The gate subsequently called the Golden Gate was closed up by Sultan Suleiman, who was a a Muslim, in A.D. 1543. And in Kaiser Wilhelm's plan to capture Jerusalem, he hoped to enter by this gate, but his hope was dashed. The gate remains closed. In fact, the gate today is sunk below the earth. When you look at the eastern gate, the golden gate, what is called in Jerusalem, you see all the the, uh, Muslim graveyard that is right before the eastern gate. The gate that you see there is not the gate that Jesus is going to walk through. They've actually excavated. One guy, I got an article where a young kid was walking along, or a man actually, was walking along, and his foot went down into one of the graves, and it exposed some of the earth beneath that foundation, and he saw another gate down there. And there's actually pictures of it. I have them. And there's another gate down there. It's waiting. It's waiting in escrow (laughs) for the time to be revealed. But notice what he goes on, and we'll be done here in just a second. Voltaire boasted that the Bible would be a dead book in a hundred years. So when the hundred years had passed, Voltaire was dead, and his house had become headquarters for the Geneva Bible Society. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it is kind of laughable. You know, you, you feel for the guy. You hope that he knew Christ, you know. I mean, but still... It's foolishness. Ingersoll made a similar boast. He said that he would have the Bible in the morgue for in 15 years. And it was he, not the Bible, who went to the morgue. The Bible outlives all of its critics. You would think that men would wake up to the fact that the Bible is God's eternal word and that it will never pass away. But then, as Jonathan, Jonathan Swift said, there's none so blind as they that won't see. Amen. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word endures forever, Lord, that there is nothing, there's no man, there's no created thing in this universe that can topple you. Lord, you are almighty, powerful creator, Lord. With you, there is, there is no one who can stand up to you, Lord. You hold all life, all things in the hand, in your hand. Lord, we rest in the security of that, God. You are the one who secures us. You are the one who keeps us safe. Lord, in so many ways, God, you're the one who is ultimately going to redeem these, these mortal bodies. And, Lord, you're going to raise us to incorruption. Lord, you are the one who will endure and abide forever. And we love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this time. We pray that, Lord, you would secure us and keep us looking up and keep our focus, Lord, on the things that are truly eternal rather than the things that are temporal that only ache our souls and that bring hardship to us and bring us to despondency and depression. God, may we look to you. May we get into your word more often. Be more in prayer. 
forgetting those things that we see around us that are killing us and holding to the word of life who endures forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.